Welcome to the Trucking Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast, brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Trucking Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Trucking, Avery Weiss. As Avery presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading the PDF or PowerPoint of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF and PowerPoint is available now at www.ftrintel.com podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads for the Trucking Market Update, as well as the weekly rail market update with Todd Tronowski and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com podcast. Welcome to FTR's weekly trucking market update. I'm Avery Weiss, Vice President of Trucking. This is episode 202 for the week of February 27th, 2023. Before we start, a reminder, you can download a PDF with graphics related to this discussion at www.ftrintel.com podcast. First on the docket this week is a look back at the fourth quarter. Revenues for, for higher trucking fell 5.8%. On a not seasonally adjusted basis, but revenues for 2022 as a whole rose nearly 20% to an all-time high. The quarter-over-quarter decrease, by the way, was the largest since the 7.9% drop during the second quarter of 2020. Although it didn't happen in 2020 or 2021, unadjusted revenues typically fall in the fourth quarter for the trucking industry. However, the fourth quarter of last year uh, saw the largest uh, quarter-over-quarter drop uh, for a fourth quarter in the data that the Census Bureau releases, although I should point out that that data only goes back to 2009. Q4 revenues were still 8.3% higher year-over-year, but Q3 revenues had been up more than 20% year-over-year. Now let's look at the segment that is formally called couriers and messengers, or what we typically call parcel and local delivery. Um, Not seasonally adjusted revenues for that sector jumped 10.5% to a quarterly record in Q4. Uh, Q4, by the way, is invariably the strongest quarter of the year for that segment, due, of course, to holiday spending. Revenues were 3.9% higher year over year. For all of 2022, Parcel and local delivery revenues rose 8.8% to an annual record. We'll revisit the fourth quarter data on revenues in a couple of weeks after we receive seasonally adjusted revenues from the Census Bureau, along with, more importantly, I think, revenues for general freight and for specialized trucking. Okay, let's get into the weekly data, starting with diesel prices. February was a good month for carriers and shippers in terms of fuel costs. The national average price of diesel fell more than $0.08 during the week ended February 27th, bringing the total decrease over the past four weeks to nearly $0.33 a gallon. Since hitting a record high in June, the price of diesel has fallen nearly $1.52 a gallon. Prices were down in all regions, But the largest declines were on the East Coast, especially in New England and the Lower Atlantic. Each of those saw an average decrease of nearly 14 cents a gallon. 
The latest week's average price of $4.29.4 a gallon is still 19 cents higher than it was a year ago. But when we discuss diesel prices next week, things are going to look quite different. Assuming prices were to hold flat week over week, diesel for the current week will be nearly 56 cents below the um, year earlier price. And if current prices hold steady for still another week, they will be nearly 96 cents below the year earlier average. Now, we never really know where diesel prices are going, but the prospects do appear favorable for uh, further price drops or at least uh, no increases. Uh, crude prices are stable at around $75 a barrel and distillate inventories are strong. In the latest week, distillate stocks nationwide and on the East Coast, which have been especially stressed on occasion, are the highest since January of 2022. One wild card in the near term is the winter weather that we've been seeing across a large swath of the west and north uh, and what an impact that might have, especially um, in the, on the east coast in uh, uh, fuel oil, which of course competes with diesel for base stock. Okay, let's move on. We'll talk about the spot market for truck freight during the week ended February 24th, which is week eight of the year. The general slide in van segment rates in the truck stop system this year uh, at least paused during the week as broker-posted rates in both dry van and refrigerated posted only their second gain of the year. The increase in refrigerated was quite small, and all dry van did was recover the rates lost in the prior week. Both segments' rates trail the five-year average by the most since June of 2020, but those averages, as I've pointed out before, are somewhat skewed by very strong rates in mid-February 2021 and 2022. We'll look closer. We'll start, as usual, with rates. The total broker-posted spot market rate edged up basically a penny, uh, which is the largest change in any direction in four weeks. Total rates continued to track at about 19% below the same week last year, but they were just under 4% above the five-year average. FDR estimates that rates excluding a calculated fuel surcharge were nearly 25% below the same week last year. But of course, as I discussed when talking about diesel prices, that year-over-year -year comparison excluding fuel is about to change sharply uh, due to unprecedented uh, surges um, in diesel prices that occurred in the first two weeks of March of last year. Uh, let's look at rates by segment. Dry van rates increased nearly three cents, uh, exactly offsetting the decline in the prior week. Rates were almost um, two point or, or almost twenty nine percent below the same week last year, and nearly eight percent below the five year average, excluding a fuel surcharge. Rates were about thirty seven cents or thirty seven percent lower than the same week last year. Refrigerated spot rates were up less than a cent after falling nearly six cents in the prior week. Those rates are almost 29% below the same week last year and nearly 7% below the five-year average. Excluding fuel surcharges, refrigerated rates were nearly 36% below the same week last year. Refrigerated, um, uh, oh, um, and flatbed uh, spot rates uh, increased two cents and were up 
uh, for a second straight week for the first time this year. Rates were almost 15% below the same week last year, but nearly 10% above the five-year average, excluding an imputed fuel surcharge. Uh, flatbed rates were almost 20% below the same week last year. So let's talk about volume. Uh, spot load activity declined more than 5% after decreasing more than 3% during the prior week. Volume was more than 61% below the same week last year, about 37% below the five-year average. The five-year comparison, though, is skewed somewhat by the spike in load availability that occurred in the same 2021 week due to widespread extreme cold weather. By the way, last week's major winter storm apparently occurred too late to distort total market volumes for the week significantly, although it might have factored into stronger load activity in the western U.S. The President's Day holiday, though, appears to have been a larger factor as load activity that day was much lower week over week than the decline in volume that we saw for the entire week. Okay, let's look at volume by segment. Dry van loads decreased more than 5%. Volume was nearly 60% below the same week last year and almost 40% below the five-year average. However, the average for week eight is skewed by the same 2021 week, which is still the record for weekly dry van volume. Load activity was down in all regions except the West Coast. Refrigerated was the only segment to see a gain in volume, albeit a small one, as load activity ticked up less than 1%. Volume was 61% below the same week last year and nearly 39% below the five-year average. Activity was up sharply on the West Coast and in the Mountain Central region, but down sharply in the Southeast and Northeast. And flatbed loads fell 6%, for the largest decrease since the final week of last year. Volume was about 66% below the same week last year and nearly 41% below the five-year average for the week. The average is skewed somewhat by a surge in flatbed loads that began in the same 2021 week and continued into May, which remains the peak of flatbed spot volume. Load activity was up on the West Coast, but down in all other regions. Let's wrap up the weekly data with a quick look at mortgage rates, which rose significantly for the second straight week. The average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage increased nearly two-tenths of a point to 6.5%, according to Freddie Mac. Mortgage rates are now the highest since November. Since we're already talking, uh, at least indirectly, about the housing market, let's stay there and talk about home sales, starting with sales of existing homes which account for a far larger portion of total sales than do sales of new homes. Sales of existing single-family homes declined eight-tenths of a percent, seasonally adjusted, in January for the 12th straight month-over-month -month decrease. The seasonally adjusted sales rate in January was the lowest since 2010. That's the bad news, and it's, I guess, pretty significant bad news. The good news, I suppose, is that the month-over-month -month decrease was the smallest in the 12-month streak of declines. Moreover, in releasing the data, the National Association of Realtors said that indications are that existing home sales are bottoming out. 
Indeed, single-family home sales were up modestly in the West and the South, but sharp declines in the Northeast and Midwest offset those gains. Median sales prices of existing single-family homes declined for the seventh straight month after hitting a record of nearly $421,000 in June of last year. The median price of $363,100 in January was just seven-tenths of a percent ahead of January of last year, but it is still 33% higher than it was in the pre-pandemic month of February 2020. Aside from more affordable prices, another reason to think that the market is bottoming out is continued tightness in the supply of homes on the market. The inventory of existing single-family homes for sale at the current sales rate remain 2.9 months, although that figure is still relatively high for the pandemic-era housing market. It is far below uh, the 4.2-month average seen in 2015 through 2019. Now, arguably, a tight market of homes for sale is actually not a sign of bottoming out, but I think what the way I would look at it is it is definitely a sign of more uh, pressure on construction to create more houses, um, which of course would be new homes. And let's move on and we'll talk about sales of new homes. Um, and those offer more concrete evidence of a housing market that is bottoming out. It is worth noting, however, that new homes currently account for less than 20% of all single family home sales. So it is decidedly a much smaller, smaller piece of the market than as existing homes. In any case, sales of new single-family homes in January rose 7.2%, seasonally adjusted, matching the increase seen in December. The annualized rate of 670,000 sales is still quite low by pandemic-era standards, but it is only 2.9% below February 2020 and is the strongest since March of last year. The South accounted for all of the sales growth month over month with a 17.1% increase. As was the case with existing homes, new home sales uh, prices are falling sharply. The median sales price of a home sold in January fell 8.2%, which is the largest drop in a single month since September of 14. Median sales price is down uh, 14% since October's record level, but it is still nearly 29% higher than the median price in February of 2020. One difference between new homes and existing homes is that new home inventories are not tight. Although they are down from levels in the third quarter of last year, they are still running at levels otherwise not seen since the end of the Great Recession. Okay, let's stay in the consumer realm, broadly speaking at least, and talk about consumption. Uh, real consumer spending jumped 2.2% seasonally adjusted in January for the largest month-over-month uh, -month increase since March of 2021. That, of course, was when the final and largest round of stimulus payments was dispersed, so there was, of course, a big jump in consumption then. As discussed uh, last week in the context of retail sales, an uptick in income due to cost-of-living adjustments might have played a role in this consumption. Personal income in current dollars rose six-tenths of a percent, although January's strong job growth 
likely was a factor in that as well as cost of living adjustments. In a rare development recently, spending on goods greatly outpaced spending on services. Real spending on services rose six-tenths of a percent, but real spending on goods jumped 2.2%. That's the strongest gain in a year. The increase in services also led to higher goods consumption, however, because the largest contributor was spending on food services, which obviously has a substantial goods component. Real spending on durable goods surged more than 5% and was led by motor vehicles and parts, but it was a broad-based improvement. Real spending on non-durable goods ticked up a half a percent. Uh, That's not especially strong, but it is the first month-over-month increase since September. Another reassuring development was an upward revision of the Bureau of Economic Analysis estimate of the personal savings rate. Now, initial data had put the personal savings rate in late 2022 at almost a record low. Uh, The Bureau of Economic Analysis had already revised that rate data uh, significantly higher, and the latest data revises it upward again. According to BEA, the personal savings rate in January was 4.7%, although that rate is still well below the average of 7.6% that we saw from January 15 through, or or through, uh, from 2015 through 2019, it is much healthier than the 2.2% rate that we had initially seen for October from BEA. Okay, let's touch on the industrial sector to close out, specifically manufacturing demand. Total new orders for durable manufactured goods fell 4.5% in January, for the largest drop since April of 2020. But let's just forget I even mentioned that because that figure is basically meaningless. Just as the 5% plus spike in December was meaningless, uh, both resulted from swings in orders for civilian aircraft, which had more than doubled in December versus November and then proceeded to plunge more than 50% in January from December. So, If we exclude transportation equipment, we see a much different picture. Through that lens, new orders rose seven-tenths of a percent, which is the largest increase since March, although there was some modest downward revision in the December figures. Compared to the pre-pandemic month of February 2020, new orders excluding transportation equipment were up uh, 19.5% in January. An important subset of durable goods orders is orders for core capital goods, which are non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft. New orders for core capital goods rose eight-tenths of a percent, and that is the strongest increase since August. Those orders in January were about 23% higher than they were in February of 2020. So overall, demand in the manufacturing sector, at least for durable goods, remains quite solid. Let's wrap up the week's podcast by recapping some key takeaways. Trucking revenues fell in Q4, but set a record for the year. Diesel prices fell nearly 33 cents in February. Spot rates firmed in the latest week. Mortgage rates rose sharply for the second straight week. Existing home sales have now fallen for a full year. Sales of new homes rose strongly again in January. 
Consumer spending jumped more than a percent in January. And excluding transportation equipment, new orders for durable manufactured goods saw a healthy increase. Next week is looking quite light uh, as a short February meant that the jobs report that we normally see in the first on the first Friday of the month is actually being pushed off to March 10th. Um, and we will also see a delay in job openings. Um, so for next week, we're looking at inventories in the retail and wholesale sectors, uh, the ISM manufacturing index, and of course our usual weekly data, such as diesel prices, spot rates, and volume, along with mortgage rates. It uh, probably will be a shorter than usual podcast, uh, but you'll get your money's worth. That's it for FTR's Trucking Market Update, episode 202 for the week of February 27th, 2023. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we hope you will join us. That's it for this week's Trucking Market Update on the State of Freight podcast. You can find more publicly available State of Freight content and download the PDF and PowerPoint of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast. FTR is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in North America, providing consistently reliable reports for trucking, rail, and intermodal transportation, as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car. For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.